This episode of Market Foolery is supported by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, today at netsuite.com. It's Tuesday, June 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio, Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. You know, Chris, for a pretty thin news day, we have a pretty exciting slate of things to talk about. We, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we do have a bunch of things. Because uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Last night, I was looking and thinking, I don't know. I I really hope the news fairy shows That's up. Right. <laughs> and in some way, in some ways, the news fairy did show up. Um, we do have a well-known company that's being taken private, and we do have the latest in international food and beverage news. We got to start that with Facebook. Um, Facebook announced it is leading a consortium, creating a new digital currency called Libra. We'll put aside the name for the moment. Um, that's set to launch early next year. The Libra currency is. This is not going to be run by Facebook. It's no. going to be run by a nonprofit association. Well, are you, let's let's start here. Are you excited about this news? Do you think this is promising for Facebook the stock, or like what is your reaction to this news? Because mine was one of mild. Ever so mild revulsion. Revulsion. I so <laughs> I love that. So, um, so first of all, there's a guy on Twitter named Lone Oak Capital. It's probably not his real name, but he he immediately said, "Why aren't we calling these Zuckbucks?" It's a fair question, <laughs> and I think that that's you know. So you know what? They're they're going to be called Zuckbucks. They're going to be called Zuckbucks, and I just want to put it out there that that's that was the origin story. I think ultimately, what we may be seeing now is that Facebook is about to do for crypto what AOL did for the internet. Uh, this is the first time you're seeing something that's put out there where the use case is the thing. You know, with with Bitcoin, Ethereum, all of the others, it's the production case, it's the store of value, it's the pseudonymity or the anonymity. But in this case, that you know, the Libra Consortium is talking primarily about usability and now about bringing the unbanked onto onto a platform where they have access to to funds at the ready and. So for me, I think it's I'm I'm not revolted at all. The thing I was really interested in was the fact that this is Facebook, which let's let's just say has had some excitement around their commitment to privacy. But it seems like you know they've already said we won't have access to who it is. We won't we won't be able to connect the Libra name with. A real name or a Facebook profile? Yeah, I think uh, the guy who's going to be running this—I w- I want to say his name is David Marcus. I could have that wrong. He was on CNBC this morning. He was very quick to point out, you know, to sort of draw the line between Facebook and this nonprofit association. Yeah, and I'm glad. I mean, you you point out. I mean, I say revulsion. You you point out the as you said the use case. I mean, the fact of the matter is there are. Tens of millions of people. There are so many people who are, as you said, unbanked, and yeah. so this is one potential solution for those people. But to the latter point, the fact that it's Facebook, yeah, it really seems like the sort of thing where if it was 
any other tech giant, if Apple was helping to set this up, if you know Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, that would be cookbox. Go ahead. <laughs> it would, you know, it would not be the same thing. It, it would, wouldn't be. The conversation would be much more about the use case. What is the addressable market yeah. here, and all of those questions, which are all valid questions that need to be asked about this. Yeah. But right now, question number one out of the gate, and I think rightfully so, is about privacy. Yeah, and it, it absolutely should be. And I think I I, I think that Facebook in some ways is driving this because if they weren't doing it, you know full well that Google and Apple and a lot of those other companies that you mentioned are interested in doing something like this. So Facebook doesn't seem like they're going to make a whole lot of money off of it. I mean they 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 and the other members of the Libra consortium will make uh Money off of interest of the float, the money that's kept within you know kept within the currency. It seems to me though that this is ultimately a long game for Facebook to protect its other ad business, which does in fact have privacy concerns. So if they weren't going to do it, I think that I think it's pretty clear that one of the other one big ones would, and that would be a threat. It is going to be interesting to see how this plays out because, as I mentioned, this is something that's not going to launch until 2020. They have plenty of time to get this right, both from a technical standpoint and from a communication standpoint. You know, Marcus was doing his best this morning, um, and again, I think the the questions around privacy are are logical, and yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Facebook has earned those questions <laughs> in a way. But, yes, but there is absolutely the opportunity for them to get this. I right. I, I totally agree, and I, you know, this is potentially it's a global currency, and and I think that if the white paper is what actually ends up coming to be. There's a lot more privacy that's being built into into the Zuckbucks than uh, than than people seem to have anticipated. Certainly, I would have anticipated that Facebook would have, in a slightly more overt way, had its fingers in the information stream, and it just doesn't seem like they are now. Maybe this, we're being a little Pollyanna-ish about this, and haven't thought about the other ways in which they might you know backdoor get that information, but. From what I have seen so far, they've done a pretty good job, and I think that uh, you know I, I I'm I'm actually I'm not revolted like you. <laughs> I'm intrigued because I think one of the big questions about cryptocurrencies and the blockchain is what are the actual use cases that are useful to the average person, and those have not been as apparent yet for all of the excitement about cryptocurrencies. Well, for what it's worth, as a result of this conversation, because you and I actually didn't talk about this at all before we came in the studio, so as a result of this conversation, I'm now more intrigued. <laughs> Very than good. I am Very good. Put off. By That's this. my job. <laughs> um, so uh, I like to point out every once in a while that uh, Full Global Headquarters is in Alexandria, Virginia. We are right across the Potomac River from Washington D.C. and therefore Capitol Hill, and. I would say 99 days out of 100, we ignore what's happening on Capitol Hill because yeah. we're about investors and, and investing in business. Every once in a while, something happens on Capitol Hill that sort of gets our attention because it is squarely in the wheelhouse of investors. Right. Um, and I think this qualifies. And this is a bill that's been introduced by Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. Um, requiring that all companies listed on American stock exchanges are subject to the same standards and regulations. And while on the surface you may look at that and think, 
Duh. Wait a minute. <laughs> Aren't they yeah. already? And certainly, U.S.-based companies are. Yeah. But there are plenty of companies that are based on that the stocks are listed on the exchanges, but they are based outside the United States. They yeah. do not have the same requirements when it comes when it comes to financial disclosure. Um, this seems this seems a little bit like a no-brainer. Well, yes, which, it, which by in no way means it's going to become law. <laughs> yeah, so we could talk about what's at stake here, and and really, as in you know, as in a lot of things of this nature, they have a target in mind, and the target in this case are the two hundred and twenty some odd Chinese companies that are listed in the U.S. That uh, by Chinese law, China requires that uh, business books be kept and records be kept in China, and the Access to those books is, you know, to anybody from outside of China is restricted, which means that U.S. accounting firms have very, very little real access to do full audits of Chinese companies, and that's one point eight trillion dollars in market cap between all of the companies that are listed in the U.S. So this matters a huge amount for American investors because, frankly. Uh, you know, we saw a little more than a decade ago a huge number of Chinese companies who came public here, many of which turned out to be frauds, right? So it's shame on us if we if we don't assume that that possibility exists with you know with with a large number of Chinese companies that are listed here again. Yeah, I'm reminded of the um, great documentary, which I believe is still on Netflix, called The China Hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really goes to um, some of those fraudulent companies that you mentioned. And yeah, I mean, as you, as you said, um, when Senator Rubio and his staff were writing up this bill, they weren't taking aim at Spotify. No! They weren't. No. <laughs> they, they, weren't they, they were yeah. squarely looking at the companies. Well, yeah, and, 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 and these types of things aren't cost free for the US or for American companies. So, like, for example, Alibaba just announced that it was going to do a secondary listing, and you would think that the US would be the logical place for it. It's going to be $20 billion listing, and they're doing it in Hong Kong, right? So, there's this incredible tension. It's often forgotten that though they seem like utilities, the exchanges are companies, and many of them, including NASDAQ, are publicly traded companies. And they attract investors by being trustworthy, right? Like you trust the US exchanges because they're here, they've got regulatory oversight. You think that they are doing some sort of standard checking for the companies that they list, but they actually list, attract listing companies by making things easier for them to list, right? So there's this incredible tension. So the fact that the US government is having to come in or feels like it should come in and say, we're not able to see the books, and we think that this is a that this is a potential risk for American investors. This is really something, and it you know we can we we can stand and you know we can we can stand on you know on principle and say yes, this should be done, but it's not free. I'm going to ask you to be a political prognosticator, oh, no. so I apologize for this. <laughs> um, but do do you see this? Having real prospects in terms of becoming law, or do you think? I do. It, it, yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a. I, I, it's it's it is perhaps an open secret that uh, very powerful members of both parties uh, are pretty 
quietly supportive of of President Trump and the uh, you know and the tariffs and all of the pressure that he's putting on China. And this is another one. And, and President Trump has come out and said we should cut off Chinese companies from the U.S. capital markets. And I don't think. That this is part and parcel of that. The the uh, the PCAOB, which is the main accounting authority in the U.S., along with the SEC, has long warned about this. They put out a big white paper uh, a year ago, but it sure is a convenient place to to uh, to add a little bit of additional pressure. So I think this actually has a pretty good chance of passing. Sotheby's run as a public company after 31 years is coming to an end. The auction house is being bought by one person. This is being bought by a guy. It's not being bought by a private equity firm or by a larger uh, uh, auction house. It's being bought by a man named Patrick uh, Drahi, um, uh, who made his billions of dollars in telecommunications. Yeah. Um, and he is clearly a fan of art or auctions or both because he is buying Sotheby's for $2.7 billion. And that is a hell of a premium. That is pushing 56% above the closing yeah. price on Friday. I was yeah. going to say, that is a massive premium. He must really want this. I'll tell thing. you what, if Sotheby's had actually sold itself through auction, like in this process, which I don't know why they didn't. Like this would have been this would have been their all time biggest win. I mean, they had someone who wants the company and and offered an enormous premium. And yeah, so I would say there is an almost certain a certitude that uh, that Sotheby's is going to go private because because investors will absolutely accept this. It's- by the way, we we have to say goodbye to one of the great ticker symbols as a result of this, which yeah. is bid. Yeah, fantastic ticker symbol. Yeah, um, this was a company that was sort of on the Motley Fool's collective radar for a number of years. Yeah. Did it? Uh, did is is it just too niche a business? I mean. I, you know, I don't think that's it because they have a. So actually, I was the first one to recommend Sotheby's to. This was in Hidden Gems back in two thousand and five to you know, to members, and honestly, you know, one of the reasons that 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 I recommended it is I looked at its position, you know, having a basically a duopoly between it and Christie's in the art world, and and understanding that it was a fairly lumpy business, but. Any business where you are getting paid to sell other people's stuff ought to be a good business. But I'm actually happy to see Sotheby's taken out of the. It's it's been kind of a disappointment from an investing perspective. They have not been very good about controlling their own costs, which is uh, which is something that they probably don't have to answer to as a as a private company. They just haven't. It's just not as great of a. Business as it seems like it ought to be. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And the problem that growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers, a lot of times it is the patchwork quilt of business systems. You got one for accounting, you get another for sales, another for inventory, and it's just inefficient. It's a mess and it takes too much time and too many resources. And that's what hurts the bottom line. So, here to help is NetSuite. By Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control that you need to grow. 
With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desktop or phone. And that is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide. It's called Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. And you can get it at netsuite.com slash fool. That's netsuite.com slash fool. You can download your free guide, The Seven Keys, uh, The Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com slash fool. It's free. Check it out. What do you got to lose? Um, Authorities in Canada have issued a recall of Bombay Sapphire Gin. Is the gin tainted, you may ask? Is it poisoned? No. Even better. It has, it has not been properly diluted. Normally, Bombay Sapphire Gin is 80 proof, which uh, for those uh, who are not imbibers of uh, the liquor, it simply means 40% alcohol. Yeah. Normally, 80 proof. This is being recalled because it's 154 proof. Which is more. <laughs> if it, anything, they ought to be congratulated. It's 77% alcohol. Yeah, so, uh, so Bombay, Bombay Sapphire, owned by the Bacardi Company. Uh, and yeah, so apparently during one of the runs of uh, one of their runs, uh, they were making a switchover and failed to dilute uh, some gin. And it made its way into the Canadian market, and the eventually the uh, the the authorities figured it out. I don't know, you know, maybe people were just lying in the streets after a single gin and tonic, <laughs> like drinking a hammer. I guess 154 proof gin. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not accusing the authorities in Canada of anything untoward, but this is the anti fun patrol. But I would. <laughs> I would bet uh, a decent amount of money that one of the following two things occurred in the run-up to this story breaking. One is that not all of the bottles got recalled. A couple got sort of stowed away, <laughs> just you know, for testing purposes. The other is that some enterprising member of the regulatory authority in Canada said, "But shouldn't we also consider using this as a like a tourism opportunity?" <laughs> Like, hey, look. I mean, you you saw plenty of marijuana tourism taking place. Sure. In, in both in Canada in the in the what up. goes better with than with marijuana than really really strong gin? <sighs> it's it, it is it's a great story. The the thing I love about this is that it's actually the second time this has happened. With Grey Goose uh, or Georgian Bay brand, the same thing happened earlier this year where they sold, and it was it was it was like a thousand cases that went out at double the proof. So something is going on amongst Canadian producers of gin who are selling into Canada, and I am saying maybe you should try that here. <laughs> <laughs> Forget Uber Eats, Grubhub, or any other kind of delivery service, because the latest food business craze in Germany is sausage vending machines. My favorite. The Independent is reporting these machines are booming outside German cities where shops are less likely to stay open for long hours. Uh, they typically stock three to four types of sausages, along with potato salad, so you can have your, you know, sort of typical German feast right there. Um, we were talking before we started taping. Uh, you know, obviously, the humor of this uh, headline catches our attention, but then you actually read the story 
It's a pretty good business case it's for a, these machines. You know, when I first saw this, I assumed that like I don't I, I don't know the German word for hipster, but I assumed it was it was de hipsters were um, you know we're putting these up in in Berlin and in the, you know in the, in in the big cities because it just seems like a move that you know. But this is actually happening in small towns where where. Grocery stores are either unavailable or, or, or just aren't open that much, and it you know it's a way to extend the flexibility and extend the choices for people who live in in these small towns. And if you spend any time in Germany, you you know that much of you know much of the country is just you know is dotted with these tiny towns, and this is just an added convenience. And I you know along with the overpowering gin, I really really <laughs> am excited for this to be tried in the United States of America. Yeah, how is this not already a thing in Wisconsin? By the way, yeah, get on this, Wisconsin. Yeah. The auto brought right, like come on. Also, shout out to Germany for because for the longest time and deservedly so, Japan got all the props for mm. the um, shall we say interesting vending machines. <laughs> you know, when you can get sake in a vending machine, when you can get underwear in a vending machine, in sometimes in the same machine, sometimes <laughs> in the same machine. Uh, but good for Germany for for sort of um, you know getting on Japan's corner a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's it, it's definitely the kind of innovation that we here at the Motley Fool can completely get behind. Bill Mann, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fooler. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>